This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up, what to expect in next week's special two-day sitting of Parliament. Yeah, the first order of business during the parliament sitting will be the election of the Dewan Rakyat Speaker. But that's not really, I think, the highlight of the sitting. It's going to have to be the motion of confidence in the current government, right? So that was uh, said, though I believe uh, the law minister, Azalim Uthman, said, uh, Syed said that uh, Anwar Ibrahim, it was his prerogative to call that uh, vote of confidence. He seems to have, uh, be willing to go on with with it, uh, especially now that today uh, five coalitions, uh, so five major coalitions in parliament signed an MOU in support of him. Yeah, so um, I don't know at this point then, is it mostly a formality? Because five coalitions signing an MOU is, seems to indicate that things will be business as usual. Except that, so one of the uh, elements of the MOU are that if someone or an MP votes against this vote of confidence, then they will be sacked from the party. And that probably was put in in anticipation that there might be some breaking of the ranks. That's pure speculation on my part, but that seems often what happens when you put in these kinds of clauses. So we have that on the one hand, of course, uh, something which really we've been expecting since the elections. Uh, but other things that are on the on the docket, including, as you said, the election of the Day One Riot Speaker, but also the decision about um, what to do on, uh, when it comes to the four Sabah Bersatu MPs who have um, left the party, because this then rests with the Speaker of the Day One Rakyat. Uh, there's also going to be a tabling of the mini budget, um, you know, as a uh, I think as a response to the previous budget that was never actually formally passed. So a number of interesting things that are coming up. Um, is there anything in particular you're keeping an eye on, Sharad? All of it, because I think the uncertainty around the stability of this government has been uh, a story, you know, that's been there for the last couple of weeks since Anwar Ibrahim was, in fact, uh, elected as a prime minister. Uh, and the question of those four MPs, interesting because uh, it, it's all about numbers. The numbers are pretty tight, uh, though. If he gets the majority of the, those parties and, and the members of those parties on his side, he will have in excess of 140 seats, I believe. So, uh, uh, which is a, is a safe margin. But, you know, we've had so much instability in our political system um, that one always, uh, you can't, you know, count your chickens before they roost. Sorry, hatch. <laughs> well. Hatch and then roost. <laughs> yes, perhaps. Uh, let us know what are you hoping to see discussed next week in Parliament, uh, a special two-day sitting that's starting on Monday. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Mahabalakrishnan, who's a parliamentary consultant and researcher. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. Business, finance. And music, BFM 89.9.
It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And uh, there's going to be a special two-day sitting of Parliament next week. A number of things um, up for, um, you know, up on the docket, including uh, the motion of confidence for the PM, the election of the Day One Rakyat Speaker. So we thought we'd spend the first part of the show um, understanding what we'll see and the importance of these processes. Let us know, what are you hoping to see discussed next week? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now joining us on the line is parliamentary consultant and researcher Maha Balakrishnan. Maha, good to have you with us. Hi, Shamila. Good to be here. So an MOU between five major political coalitions uh, was signed just today, and this was in support of uh, Anwar ahead of an expected vote of confidence for the government. Um, how do you expect that this will shape events in Parliament next week? Well, I think uh, the the main um, issue uh, for Anwar, of course, was to secure um, the vote of confidence, and I think that's that's interesting. I'm just going through the the details of this agreement right now, uh, but as as I think Sharad pointed out, the main provision here that deals with co- the confidence issue is, of course, uh, the apparent power of parties to uh, compel their members to vote in favour of votes of confidence uh, and votes on supply. Um, So so really, just uh, dialing back a little bit. So in terms of the motion of confidence, for me, what I would be interested to see uh, is a couple of things. Firstly, how the motion will be worded. Yeah, Will it be phrased as a motion of confidence or a motion of no confidence? But I think this this recent agreement makes very clear that uh, Anwar now will be able to put in a motion of confidence. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, the, the second point uh, with uh, any motion of confidence is how is it going to be phrased? Will it be phrased as, for example, this house has confidence in Datasri Anwar Ibrahim as prime minister? Or will it be phrased as uh, this house... Uh, or, or rather that a majority of members of this house has confidence um, in Datasri Anwar Ibrahim as prime minister. Now, the wording will actually also make an impact about uh, how that motion is construed. But the third and most important question is the one I think that is on most people's minds today. And I think the reason for uh, the inclusion of this that paragraph within this agreement, and that is really what is the threshold required for a motion to pass? Does it require an absolute majority of MPs, in other words, 112 MPs or more, or just a simple majority of MPs uh, present at the chamber and voting? Will that be sufficient? And obviously, um, as a demonstration of both uh, the soundness of his appointment, whether from a constitutional perspective or political perspective, uh, Anwar would, of course, need to seek 112 votes or more. Uh, The danger here was always this that the ruling coalition, therefore, couldn't really afford many uh, abstentions from the vote or any absentees, right? Uh, and and really, any intra-party factions or blocs that were not represented on the floor to, uh, on Monday uh, would, of course, expose the coalition's vulnerabilities uh, and lead to negative connotations. So I believe this really is to address that. It's to ensure that what we don't have on Monday is uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, absentees from particular factions of particular political parties uh, or any abstentions. Um, yeah, Maha, yeah. can I ask you in that regard, is it perfectly legitimate for parties to, um, you can explain the expression, use the whip 
uh, they're not lifting the whip in this uh, in this vote, are they? And so, is that uh, acceptable within the parliamentary game? You know, there are two schools of thought to this, uh, and and we have to address that question along with uh, how is the vote to be conducted uh, as a secret vote, secret ballot, or an open vote, a show of hands, yeah? Uh, so we really have to to consider both those issues together. So obviously a question of confidence, especially if it turns back, if it is linked to provisions in the constitution, in my opinion, the whip should not be applied to a vote of confidence, uh, simply because in our, in our constitution, there's a very clear requirement that the prime minister must be able to, to show and to express that he has confidence with the majority. And this should not be party-based. Uh, so that's one point. But the second point also then is how is the vote to be conducted uh, as a secret vote or as an open vote? My preference is in order to uh, lift the whip and therefore ensure that uh, any MP will not face the consequences of his or her vote, the direction of his or her vote, such votes should actually be secret. You also mentioned that uh, you were looking at the MOU. Um, were mm-hmm. there any other details that stood out to you? Well, I, I, I can't quite answer that question yet, Shamla. I've just, I've just started going through this right now. Um, but I, I do see some some uh, very interesting provisions uh, uh, in relation to um, even Article 49A, uh, but a little early now for me to com- comment, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think um, many of the news reports, in fact, don't have uh, details about the MOU. But we were wondering if, you know, the MOU would set out also the agenda for the government of the day uh, in terms of policy or or direction. But, okay, be that as it may, can we talk about the speaker, a a role that's come under much scrutiny, uh, especially under the leadership of Art Harun, Tell us about the process of uh, electing a new one, if that's in fact what's uh, coming up. Well, the election of the Speaker uh, is is fairly routine. Um, the question really becomes how many candidates there will be, uh, not just from each side, but just within each each political block. So there have been rumours, of course, uh, of a number of different names being suggested uh, from both sides of the house, uh, but my guess is that when it actually comes down to it on Monday, uh, we're at the most likely to see a competition be- between only two candidates, uh, one from each side of the house, and and the reason for this lies in the voting process. Which you know, to answer your question, the voting process for electing a speaker. Um, so the voting process is actually similar to something called uh, an exhaustive ballot voting system. Uh, so, so long as there are more than two candidates, there are multiple rounds of voting. Uh, and in each round of voting, the nominee with the least amount of votes will be eliminated. Following this, you have then further rounds of voting uh, until it comes down to just two candidates. And at that point, the nominee with the most vote wins. There is one exception to this to this multiple uh, rounds process. And that is if at any point, at any stage, you have one nominee who gets more votes than all the other votes of all the other candidates combined. If that happens, then that nominee is declared uh, the winner. So you can see from this system, if either the government side or the opposition side puts up more than one name, there is a risk that one or more of their candidates could get knocked out in the early rounds. Uh, because, of course, MPs are only allowed to vote for one candidate uh, each round. So my guess is uh, that going into Monday, 
at least on the government side, I would imagine that in order to uh, secure agreement across the broad coalition, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an agreement or a package deal for all three posts altogether. So the post of Speaker, Deputy Speaker 1 and Deputy Speaker 2, uh, in order to secure uh, a majority votes for a clear candidate for each of these roles. So one of the things um, that is going to lie with the Speaker is, of course, the decision uh, on the four MPs from Sabah Bristatu who reportedly left the party. What are the constitutional responsibilities that the Speaker has in this situation to establish those vacancies? Well, it's a new responsibility, so I suppose we're all speaking theoretically at the moment. But, you know, I think before... Uh, before the speaker even needs to play a role in this, and this is in accordance with the wording of uh, Article 49A, the first step is actually for the party to take or for the MPs concerned to take, depending on who feels aggrieved. The speaker doesn't actually have to confirm or even establish a casual vacancy until he's asked to do so in writing by an MP. And I, I've read uh, news reports that uh, where, you know, uh, Tan Sri Mohidin has actually said uh, that the position of the four MPs, I think he said, will be decided by the anti-party hopping provisions. But what I actually haven't seen uh, is that either he or Bursatu or PN has actually given written notice uh, of uh, the occurrence of casual vacancies pursuant to Article 49A to the Speaker. Now, maybe he's done so. If he's done so, then, you know, I, I stand corrected. But so to my mind, what's in, what is interesting to me in terms of the speaker's role in all of this is really what, what happens on Monday in terms of how those four MPs are identified in terms of their party affiliation by the day one rakyat. So what we're really looking at is where will they, where will they be placed uh, in the chamber? Where will their seats be placed? And also how will they be recognised on, you know, the parliamentary website. So really, the the details will be in these uh, little procedures and and rituals of parliament. That will give us an indication of how uh, these four MPs will be seen in terms of their party affiliation. Then the question becomes, what will uh, Tan Sri Muhyiddin or Bursatu or PN do if, for example, these four MPs are identified as members of the URS? Yeah, uh, if it happens, will they then take that proactive step of uh, uh, issuing a notice, a written notice to the speaker under Article Forty Nine A? And it is it is at that point that the speaker will have to to then uh, take action. We were actually just discussing a message from a listener calling for oh. an open vote. Uh, when So Azhari is saying, open my vote, please. Every MP must be made accountable for their decision, which I think relates to a point that you were touching on earlier. Yes. Uh, so well, I, I understand um, uh, the, the feeling that these votes should also be transparent and, and every party, every MP should be uh, accountable really for uh, the decision on who they support as prime minister. But there are really two sides to this because uh, MPs also face repercussions from their party, right? Uh, so, you know, one, you don't need to necessarily um, exercise the whip in order to ensure discipline. Uh, and in order to ensure that an MP will vote according to party lines. And so that's why we have to balance the certain issues of um, conscience uh, versus what is the party line. So that's, that's really where, where uh, I, I think we, we, need to, it, we need to look at it not simply in terms of what is best uh, for a specific motion of confidence, but really what works within the entire 
uh, party-based political system that we have. Mao, just coming back to the question we asked before we lost you, which is about the mini-budget and a payment for civil servants. Uh, you had spoken to us about the importance of passing this budget. Could you reiterate what you told us before? Well, yes. So, uh, you know, this isn't just about uh, public servant salaries come 1st January. It's also about essential programs and services. Uh, and these include the continuation of ongoing subsidies and welfare assistance for the B40 groups and uh, other marginalized groups. So it really was highly irresponsible of the previous Ismail Sabri administration to have sought to dissolve Parliament before passing the budget for the next year. Um, so the, the basic reasoning for this is this, that in Malaysia, the budget follows the calendar year. And the Constitution requires that the budget must be passed in the year prior to the budget year. So the budget for 2023 is supposed to be passed in uh, 2022. Um, and this is really one of the main reasons why we don't habitually have year-end elections, because it can completely derail the budget process. Now, obviously, within the Constitution itself, there are some fail-safes built into it for emergencies, and that is uh, exactly what the new government is going to have to rely on. So I think what we can expect on Monday is that the government will bring motions and bills under Article 102 of the Constitution to unlock some of these emergency provisions so that uh, the government can get access to public funds uh, before a full budget is actually tabled. Now, um, this, this emergency funds can cover both operational as well as uh, development budget, um, but it will need to be passed really by both houses. Um, to my mind, that there is a danger here, uh, a, a danger that we must all be aware of. Now, uh, this mini-budget should only be a temporary measure. Uh, it should only be restricted to absolutely critical spending, just to ensure that the lights can be turned on on 1st January 2023 in Putrajaya and ensure that essential services can be continued. The danger with Article 102 is that, um, depending on how the bills are framed and the motions are framed, it could give the executive a lot of power uh, and access to public funds without proper legislative scrutiny. And I think we saw some of this uh, during the COVID-19 um, uh, budgeting process, the money bills that were passed in relation to COVID-19. Maha, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Mahabala Krishnan, parliamentary consultant and researcher, helping us um, understand and contextualizing for us uh, some of what we're going to be seeing in the two-day parliamentary sitting next week. Uh, and we're asking you, what are you hoping to see discussed? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio. So keep it here on the evening edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.